0: This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
2: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
3: Welcome to the Move the Sticks podcast. I'm Bucky Brooks, and we're going to do a little something different today. I got my man, Nabil behind the glass. He is going to join me. We're going to have a little conversation about everything that has happened over the first two days of the draft. We're going to focus specifically on day two. Uh, rounds two and three but before we get into that Nabil, what's going
4: on uh, Bucky you know I'm hyped up you know I have my Packers book right here the Packer way by <laughs> Ron Wolf. I know I know you're a big Ron Wolf guy so oh my I was excited watching the draft seeing the aggressive you know untraditional Packers trade up last night so I was hyped to begin the draft you know that was early so that
3: that, that was early so let's let's go with that let's start right there with the Packers and the aggressive move to trade up for Christian Watson um, there's a lot of I would say concern, trepidation that the Packers wouldn't address their wide receiver need because they didn't make a move in the first round. So what do you think about them moving up, and what do you think about the pick, Christian Watson?
4: Yeah, so Christian Watson is a player. I really like him. You know, he's 6'4". He ran a 4'3", 6'40". He has that that blend of size, speed, and length they look for. I think they like their receivers big. You know, they have Alan Lazard. They've had MBS in the past. And obviously, Devontae was a big receiver as well. So they like those big receivers. He adds a lot of speed. He's a vertical threat for Rodgers right off the bat and I think he could get a ton of targets. Rodgers needs somebody to throw the ball to and so I think Watson will take the top off the defense and he'll be that deep threat that Rodgers really needed. And I really liked how aggressive they were. I know they had to trade two second round picks, but you know you have to get your guy and there was a run on receivers in the 50s, so it was really I mean it was really good as a fan of the Packers that that they were aggressive and they moved up for him. What was your take?
3: So my thing on Christian Watson, I thought he was the perfect pick for them, uh, even in kind of mocking and even though mock drafts are what they are uh, in the process. I talked about Christian Watson being a Packer Uh, a few things to think about when it comes to the Packers and how they traditionally develop wide receivers. um, You hit on normal prototypes, right? So we talk about size, speed, um, big play potential. This is a kid that had 57 plays of 20 plus yards or more on 180 touches And I think when you look at kind of the composition of the wide receiver core, a lot of people are going to worry about how are they going to replace Devontae Adams in those things. And I would contend that the offense might be more balanced, more efficient and a little different, but it could be even more dangerous to defend because you don't have the number one Um, Rogers tended to kind of lean and lock into Devontae Adams, rightfully so, because Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football, but in the games in which they haven't had Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers hasn't skipped a beat. In fact, his numbers go up in terms of yards per game. You look at the touchdown-interception ratio. It is right on par with how he typically plays. And so it's just a matter of making sure that those guys kind of find their roles. And they have to get something out of Watson. Normally, it takes young guys a little time to pop in Green Bay. But I think for Watson, it's really important for him to have a role where they can utilize him and feature him. and have him play a role that really complements the other guys that they have in the core.
4: No, I definitely agree with you. I thought in that NFC divisional round game against the 49ers, I mean, everything was going to Devonta. He was getting double teamed. So it became a little bit predictable. So I would like the Packers, you know, to maybe even add another receiver in the off season and spread that wealth around. They get Tanyan back. So I definitely agree with you that they just need to spread the ball around, make it less predictable. So, Every, all the focus now on one receiver in the offense?
3: Okay, so we we saw the receivers go. And naturally, when we think about uh, Devontae Adams being replaced, my eyes certainly went to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas, Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs landing. Scott Moore, 54th overall. But I think beyond that, just what the Chiefs have done, you go back and you look at the drafts to get Trent Duffy to have George Karloftis coming over. Then you add Scott Moore to the mix. What did you think about, the day two pick though, going and get Sky Moore at 54 overall to maybe replace Tyreek Hill?
4: Yeah, I don't think anybody can replace Tyreek Hill, but Sky Moore is the guy to do it if you're going to do it. So he has excellent vertical speed. He's someone who's tough and I think he could fit really well with Patrick Mahomes off the bat. I mean, this is the perfect prototype receiver, I think, that they could have taken and he fell to them at 54. I didn't know if he was going to drop. I know he got a lot of pre-draft hype from a lot of NFL network analysts. So uh, what did you think, Bucky?
3: So my my whole thing with Scott Moore is I felt like he was the perfect thing. And because Andy Reid kind of comes out of that old school um, Green Bay Packers tree, uh, they have a strong belief in their system, and they believe their system is going to create opportunities for the players there. And if it's not an A-level player but a B-level player, they certainly can continue to be efficient and effective and the like because if you go back and you think about early – Andy Reid's tenure. They didn't have A-level receivers, but they still won a ton of games with Alex Smith kind of throwing the ball and finding a way to use the screen game and check downs and those things. I don't think the offense will evolve like that under Pat Mahomes. But I actually believe when you remove Tyreek Hill, you will force Pat Mahomes to be a little more efficient. Uh, I think he would kind of play the game to be effective, spreading the ball around. And I actually believe, like I talked about with the Packers, I believe this could be a more dangerous and difficult offense to defend because now you don't necessarily know where the ball is going outside of building it around Travis Kelsey, I think it's a great move, and Sky Moore in terms of the Tyreek Hill uh replacement or filling that void, not necessarily the same player but very dynamic in his own way. I think the combination of Sky Moore and Miko Hartman, I think they can do some of the things that Tyreek Hill was able to do I mean, he won't be able to get they won't be able to combine to do all of the stuff, but I certainly think they can kind of feel some of that production that walked out the door when he went to Miami
4: yeah I think this guy more pick was one of the best picks of the second round another guy I really liked was George Pickens to the Steelers with the 52nd pick um, I think you're giving Kenny Pickett some weapons if Pickens can stay healthy I think he as a player has a really good catch radius fantastic ball skills and you know all the athletic traits to be big time I think this could be one of the biggest steals of the draft do you agree with me on that? So
3: I, I love what the Steelers have done. When you go back and we talked about the Packers developing guys outside of the first round at wide receiver, uh, the same could be said for what the Steelers have done. Traditionally, they have been able to nail the draft and develop wide receivers, and Pickens is one. you got to remember, four or five-star player coming out of high school. The injury kind of slowed him down a little bit at Georgia, but this is a high-end player, and so now you put him into a mix with a lineup with Chase Claypool. You have Deontay Johnson. You now put Pickens a healthy pickings in the mix you're young dynamic, you're fast, and also remember this will be the first year that Matt Canada can really implement his offense, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch trubisky or even Mason Rudolph. we will see an offense that's a little different, more motion shifts, jet sweeps, things that can utilize the speed in the wide receiver core not only in the vertical game but in the horizontal game in terms of taking handoffs or getting the shallow crosses um George Pickens is a playmaker. And so I do like this pick. I agree with you. It's one of the nice picks. I think it's one of those things that we need to keep an eye on because he is a fantastic playmaker on the perimeter. But there was another pick that was a bit of a surprise to me based on what they had done in previous years. Breeze Hall going to the New York Jets, to me, was one of the best picks. It was one of the surprises because last year, this is a team that took Michael Carter. Um, Michael Carter had a solid rookie season for him. But the Jets are sitting there, 36 overall. They get their guy. And then Brees Hall comes on TV and talks about he had talked to them and maybe they were going to trade up in the first round to get him. I think it's a huge get. It is one where he is a complete back. He's dynamic, not only as a runner, but catching the ball out the backfield. I was just shocked that the Jets decided that they needed run another running back to add to the room.
4: I actually really like Brees Hall. I think this could have been a guy who could have went in the first round. I know a lot of scouts liked him. I think overall, you know, he's a super fast. He ran a four thirty nine at the 40. He's a three-down back. He can be a huge factor. He's really good in the passing game. And overall, what the Jets have done this draft, I mean, they've got, also got Garrett Wilson, who's one of my favorite receivers in the draft. I think they've done a lot to help Zach Wilson, and that's how you should build around a young quarterback. And obviously, they've also drafted Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson. So overall, I think they've had arguably the best draft in uh, yeah, out of the whole draft so far. Do you agree yeah, no.
3: that? Yeah, when you come with the, the best drafts, I think it's interesting uh, you talk about the Jets because Joe Douglas spent time with the Baltimore Ravens. I believe it comes down to between the Jets and the Ravens in terms of best drafts. And the only reason I can judge that is based on um, the players that we had ranked and the players that we talked about being the best ones in the draft. When I look at the Jets, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees, all all guys that were high end guys, guys that might have rated. Uh, within the top two or three of the position when we looked at the boards. Then the Baltimore Ravens, blue-chip guys, kind of like a Warren Buffett draft where you know the brand names. Kyle Hamilton, everyone raved about him. Tyler Lindenbaum, many considered to be the best center in the game, despite the issues that some may have had with his short arms and uh, maybe lack of athleticism when it came to comparing him to others. Man, he's a very technically sound player at the point of attack. David Ajabo. um, being able to come on board a guy who's a first round talent defensive coordinator knows him and so you you get that intel and travis jones and so when you think about the draft and ultimately what you want to walk away with you want to walk away with great players and i think both of those teams the jets and the ravens certainly knocked it out the park
4: yeah i think david Echabo was also one of the best picks of the whole draft he's a ravens type player I mean, despite you know, the torn Achilles, he can develop nicely there. He just looks like a Raven to me, and I think he has tremendous upside And the value the Ravens got with Ajabo and Hamilton, and you know Travis Jones is a great player. I think they've had an, – an, this is another team that's had one of the best drafts so far. I think we can go on to the quarterbacks, though. Um, mm-hmm. There was no QBs that got selected the second round. We had a run on them in the third round. First, we can hit on Desmond Ritter with the 74th pick. What did you think about that pick?
3: So the thing about Desmond Ritter going there uh, to the Atlanta Falcons, I know DJ had compared him to Marcus Mariota. And what better place to go than um, behind someone where the offensive coordinator can keep the offense exactly the same. You have similar skill sets between the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback or the developmental guy, as we'll call Desmond Ritter. And I believe his temperament, uh, the way that he goes about doing his business throughout this pre-draft process, really serves him well because he and Marcus Mariota really have similar, I would say, demeanors. And now you put similar demeanors with similar games, uh, it should work. I think Arthur Smith had a lot of fun kind of crafting an offense that utilizes the mobility and athleticism of the quarterback, but it might not necessarily involve a ton of runs. It might involve putting him on the move and doing some of those things. And I think when you do that with a young quarterback, particularly one that is as athletic as Ritter, you really up his chances of being able to be successful because you can cut the field down in half. You make the reads easy, and you make the game one that um, – I don't want to say it's like high school, but it's one that he can easily kind of gain confidence, and as he gains confidence, you can spoon feed him and give him more on his plate.
4: Yeah, Ritter was one of my favorite picks of the draft as well. Uh, I think he's tremendous with value. This is a guy I could have seen go in the first round, and the Falcons get a guy who's a good leader. You saw how far he took Cincinnati. So he's definitely a tremendous leader. He's an intelligent quarterback who can process the field nicely. Like you said, Marcus Mariota, he should be able to compete with Marcus Mariota early in his career. I think he could improve his accuracy overall. I think mean, this is a steal. Desmond Ritter, yeah. I mean, I think this is a great fit. We can also talk about another quarterback that went maybe surprising to some people, maybe not as surprising for move the sticks listeners, which we we thought the Titans could have been a sneaky quarterback team. Mm-hmm. And they got Malik Willis with the eighty-six pick. What did you think about that fit?
3: Yeah, look, man, look, I I was heartbroken in terms of like watching the anguish on the faces of these quarterbacks as they were falling and falling out of the second round. But uh, a lot of this really matters in terms of where you go. I think for Malik Willis, he went to the perfect spot for him. One, there's no immediate pressure for him to get on the field. And because of his draft status as a third round pick, um, the fans will not necessarily clamor or put the pressure on Mike Vrabel and John Robinson to put him on the field. That said, he gets a chance to play behind Ryan Tannehill, another athletic player, and it took Ryan Tannehill a couple of years for it to really pop for him down in Miami and then re-emerge as a high-end player for the Titans. And because of the similar skill sets in terms of athletic quarterbacks being able to do the same things, you can keep the playbook the same, I think it's a great spot for him. And so it's one of those things where it hurts immediately because you're sitting there like, man, I can't believe I'm 86 overall when there's speculation I might be a top 10 pick. But in terms of the fit, the scheme, the big running back behind him, ideal situation for Malik Willis because even if he does get his opportunity to play, maybe sooner than we expect, he has the big back behind him in King Henry. And that means that he's not going to have to do it all by himself in terms of being a passer. He can actually complement the running game with his skills as a dynamic dual threat passer from the pocket.
4: Yeah. Malik Willis as a player, you know, I thought he should have been a first round pick, maybe mid to bottom of first round, but he's an excellent dual threat athlete. Like you said, he can make so many plays on his feet. He can run through guys. He's like a truck, you know, he has great arm strength. He has so much upside. So I think this is a steal for the Titans and I expect him to eventually be the starter. So as far as, you know, him, what goes through, through his mind on draft night, We've seen like Aaron Rodgers has dropped. You know, a lot of quarterbacks that have gone on to be great have dropped. So even though he had a long way to wait, I mean, this is the ideal situation. It
3: is an ideal situation. And I, I love it. I also believe the other quarterback that was selected last night, Matt Corral, I think he landed in a really good spot for him. Now, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things swirling around Matt Corral as to why um, he fell to the third round. But at the end of the day, this is a really good situation for him. One, when I think about the lack of immediate pressure to put him on the field. I think this makes uh, Sam Darnold maybe more comfortable in the starting role. He can kind of attack it like the start and not necessarily have to worry about fending off Matt Corral in a competition. And then for Matt Corral, I think the most important part of the fit is Ben McAdoo. Having looked at Ben McAdoo and the work that he was able to do with Eli Manning in New York, quick rhythm passing game, ball comes out fast. A lot of the things that he did in New York with Eli Manning successfully, Matt Corral can do those same things, but he can do it with a little more pizzazz and sizzle, meaning he's a a lot more athletic than Eli Manning was, but in terms of the ball getting out of his hands, being able to throw, the quick rhythm routes, the RPOs and all those things, he can do it. So to me, it is a great fit, which is also why the Carolina Panthers have kind of squash some of the conversation and talk about them needing to get involved in the Baker Mayfield thing. I think they found one in Matt Corral. I think that could be a huge pick for them down the road.
4: Yeah, I think Corral could have went much higher and the Panthers needed another quarterback in the quarterback room. So he's going to be a guy who can compete right away with Darnold. It makes a lot of sense, this pick, you know, and Corral has really good arm strength. Like you said, he's super athletic and I'm curious to see how the Panthers will utilize him. He's a rhythm passer. I think, you know, if you could scheme it right, he can he can make, uh, you know, the Panthers really good, really fast.
3: Yeah, know, I, I, I think that's um, I think that's really, really important in terms of like scheme fit is everything. It really, really matters when it comes to the play of the quarterback. Um, and so for Matt Corral to land there, I think it was nice.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker.
3: so give me one more. Give me something else that you want to get off your chest, something that uh, struck you during the draft that you were like, man, I just, I, I just have this arc. I don't understand this. Why, why, why? Give me give me something that kind of befuddled you uh, on day two of the draft.
4: Yeah, one of the big surprises for me was that the Seahawks went, you know, running back and then tackle over taking a quarterback in the second and third round. I thought they could have added another quarterback to the quarterback room, but them not going quarterback really surprised me. I know we were talking before the podcast about this. What was your take on that?
3: No, so when I think about the Seahawks, and the Seahawks have been open about saying this is not necessarily a full reset, but in a way, when you look at what they're doing, they are kind of turning back the clock, trying to get back to the early 2010s when they they, they became the dominant team in the NFC for like a five-year period. And what they did back then, they didn't force – the quarterback. Now, they, they spun the wheel and they, they brought a lot of quarterbacks in. Charlie Whitehurst, Matt Flynn. Uh, they played with uh, those guys before they gave Russell Wilson a chance. And it eventually worked out for them. I think when you think about how they were able to do it back then is they built up the rest of the team. Marshawn Lynch came over, so the running game was solid. They had a dynamic defense with a bunch of young, hungry defenders that kind of grew into being monsters. And they waited patiently until they got the quarterback and then they dropped him in. I think what they want to do is kind of redo that, build up all the team. Pete Carroll wants to run the football because by running the football, what he does is he not only establishes an identity, but he helps his defense by limiting their exposure. Uh, Reduce number of snaps, the defense plays better, and they begin to kind of feel like the Seahawks of old. They have time. And I do believe this, when they re-sign Geno Smith to the deal that they signed him to, They believe that Geno Smith or Drew Locke, one of those guys, is going to be good enough to be a functional starter for them. And they will try and make the rest of the team kind of beat them up. Because remember, last year they lost a lot of close games. You know, ball bounce here, there. They could have been on the other side of it. And that makes a world difference. I think Pete wants to see if he can continue to play the way that he's always played and have more success now that he doesn't have to worry about trying to maybe appease the quarterback who wants to throw the ball all over the yard.
4: Yeah, I think Drew Locke could be a guy that can step up for them. He's likely more quarterback ready than, you know, any of the quarterbacks in this draft right now. So maybe that had to be the big, biggest factor in this. Another guy that fell that, you know, I was a little surprised was N'Kobe Dean. I mean, he had medical mm. s- concerns. He has a size concern. But, you know, the Eagles get him in the third round at pick 83. I mean, overall, they've had such a solid draft, acquiring A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. drafting Jordan Davis, Cam Jurgens, and now Dean another team that arguably had one of the best drafts. What did you think about, you know, Dean falling to the Eagles and was this expected, unexpected? So,
3: N'Kobe Dean, the issue were, it was a few different issues. One, I think guys really were worried about the size-speed ratio because you never really got him tested. We saw him. He certainly wasn't as big as you would like. And even though he was surrounded by a ton of players at Georgia, he appeared to be the ring leader in terms of the guy that got everyone together um, the league is a bit of a beauty pageant and you have to look the part um, when you're going into it. I think for uh, the Eagles, this works out because the way they were able to get them, they were clear the medical stuff. And then, you know, they kind of take him at a spot where they don't believe in investing heavily in the inside linebacker position, but you get an off the ball linebacker who has outstanding instincts, diagnostic skills, high IQ player. You know, if, if he is what we think he is, this is a terrific value pick. Um, it is a little weird that when you see his teammate Quay Walker go in the first round and everyone at Georgia and around the program will tell you that Nicobe Dean is the one to make it go. But I just have to tell you, like, man, it's a body type, it's a prototype league. And you have to have the right dimensions and all that other stuff to check off the boxes to kind of earn your way into the first round. And we'll see if it's just, if it's justified based on the way that he plays. But he's a really good player. It's so, unfortunate that he had to drop, though.
4: Yeah, I think he'll make an impact on the Eagles. So, I think it's a good fit as well. I mean, there's still some guys, though, that are really good heading into day three, rounds four through seven. We have Sam Howell, Perion Linfrey, Isaiah Spiller, Tariq Willen, Kobe Bryant, a lot more. I think we could focus on Sam Howell. Where do you think Sam Howell goes today? You know,
3: like where you're at this stage of, of the draft, like you are sitting here in the fourth round. And so with the fourth round it's wide open. So any of the teams that had been kind of tied to him, I think this is a flyer. So if you talk about Detroit Lions, because people had made the connection, maybe at the bottom of the first round the Detroit Lions. We go with well, Detroit Lions want to make a move. They can do that um, somewhere early in day three. Um, The Seattle Seahawks obviously will kind of be connected to the quarterback position, even though I believe that they feel really strongly about what they have in Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But that is another place. Uh, I expect Sam Howard to go off the board pretty early because normally, man, when you have a quarterback with that kind of skill, uh, they don't last long. I would expect early on day three, he's off the board.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Seattle could be uh, just to add another guy in the quarterback room. Um, Do you think there's a reason why he fell, you know, like this far?
3: No, look, I I think with everything, with all of those wide receivers, I think on our side, what we try and do is we try and build those guys up and we talk about how, um, you know, these guys have potential and those things. But I just believe, man, when when you grade the quarterbacks, and we talked about the 2022 quarterback class, and I've had mock drafts where I didn't put anybody in there. I think when you stay true to, like how you view them, particularly how you view them compared to the young superstars that are playing the position, the Pat Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, and some of the others, I don't think their natural talents match up to those guys. And I think what the league has done is there's a reset on quarterbacks because of two reasons. One, the young guys that I talked about at the position, everyone wants someone who has uh, it factor, wow factors, all of those things. Two, the money that is going to the quarterback. When it gets over the $40 million mark, you're not really trying to settle for someone whose max potential is game manager type. And so when you're looking at that and you think about the draft, you're saying, I don't really want to hitch my wagon to a player that I know may not have the ceiling of some of those guys that we previously mentioned. I'll wait. And if I get them later, cool. But if I don't, I'm OK with it because ultimately I need a start at the position to be able to win. I think we're seeing that kind of come back to the fold.
4: Yeah, and I think somebody will be, you know, they'll be really happy getting Sam Howell today. So rounds four through seven will begin today at noon Eastern. We'll be back with another recap podcast on Monday with you, Rhett and DJ, where we recap everything from the draft. Um, Bucky, did you have anything else you wanted to hit on?
3: No, nah, man. Look, it, it was fun. I know we gave you a little chance to shine. We gave you uh, an opportunity to talk about your beloved Packers and what they do at White, what they did at wide receiver getting Christian Watson. So it was a good day. It's always a good pod when we get a chance to get a little Packers conversation because I know it just warms your heart to talk about the Green and Goal.
4: Yeah, you know, I just uh, have on my Packers gear. I have my book. Everyone should read the oh Packer Way by Ron Wolf. You know, if they want to know how to build a said. winning organization. You're so ridiculous. Free You're promo. So ridiculous. <laughs>
3: so on that note, uh until we meet again next week, uh, we'll be back to dropping a couple of pods. DJ and I will talk about all things that happen over draft weekend. Uh be sure to keep coming back. Move the sticks. We'll see you next time.